0: The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Trader Cobb Crypto Show. Today, another great guest. We have got Amy Wan, CEO of Sagewise, who is with us on the line, fresh out of Los Angeles. Amy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So look, first things first, uh, I'd love it if you could just do a bit of an intro on yourself and what's brought you to where you are with SageWise today.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I am an attorney by training, specifically a securities attorney, I started my career in the federal government basically doing international trade and regulatory affairs. And if you know anything about working in the government, you know that basically everything happens very slowly and you're basically pushing around policy that people have been trying to push for 30 years. And so, you know, I got to a point in my career where I was like very frustrated because it's very hard to get anything done. Um, And so I tried to channel that energy outside of the office um, by learning how to code. So I was taking a Coursera coding course and they asked us to basically create a website and ask people for Bitcoin. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, what is this Bitcoin thing? And why am I online panhandling? You know, um, And, uh, and so that's, that's how I really got exposed to Bitcoin. When I, when I moved from DC back to LA in 2013, um, I was kind of looking around because I, you know, uh, I was transitioning from public policy back into the actual practice of law. And I, I wanted to do something that was more exciting, I guess. And so I started looking into the laws and regulations around dealing with, cryptocurrency and blockchain. Um, but around that time is when Mount Gox happened, and um, this space kind of imploded for a while. And so I kind of hit out in the crowdfunding industry. I was, you know, general counsel at a real estate crowdfunding startup, a um, uh, partner at a law firm that focused on um, transactional securities law. And basically at the beginning of twenty seventeen, I left my partnership because I wanted to find a more scalable approach th- to law, one that would allow for more access to justice and allow for you know law to be more scalable, more efficient, more just and fair. And around that time, I just kept having all these ICOs call me, being like, hey, be our attorney for this ICO. Um but I really didn't want to pract- do the one-on-one practice thing. I, I wanted to do something more scalable. And as I was looking at the space, I noticed something strange was happening, which was that there were all these ICOs that were getting hacked every week for 2 or 3 or $7 million. And the founders would sit there and shrug their shoulders and be like, oh, sorry, there's nothing we can do. And then the crypto investors would be like, oh, that's just how the space works. And I thought, that is crazy, you know, like. This blockchain thing is never going to take off if this is just how the space works, if you can just randomly lose value, right? Because if you have to compete against credit card companies where you can actually call a dispute, I mean, there's a lot more transactional confidence and certainty over there. And and I basically harken this back to like the early 90s when you know there was a time when people were really afraid of transacting online on the internet. They were afraid of buying stuff, right? Because you didn't know if you were actually going to get what you were, you know, paying $40 for. And it wasn't until Amazon, eBay, and PayPal and Alibaba put into place transactional confidence um mechanisms, specifically dispute resolution and reputation systems that that gave people more trust to transact online and 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 that's what i see for the blockchain space right like you have to create this ecosystem where people feel comfortable transacting in this ecosystem otherwise it's just not going to take off so so that's what you brought me to what I'm doing today. I am co-founder and CEO of a company called Sagewise, and we are a safety net for smart contracts, specifically. We are you know kind of bridging um, the blockchain space and uh, you know how how legal works in the real world by building dispute resolution infrastructure for smart contracts and blockchain.
0: That's an amazing, amazing journey to get you here. We've, we've all got our little sort of rabbit hole journey. I, I love the fact that um, so randomly, you know, out of the blue, you decided that you wanted to learn how to code, and uh, one of your tasks was to, as you quite eloquently put it, panhandle using Bitcoin. But it's a great thing because when, when was that? Like what year did you enter into the, I suppose, the rabbit hole that is crypto and start learning about that space and blockchain? What, what year was it that that all happened?
1: I think it was 2012, although my main regret is not going and buying a bunch of crypto at that time. (laughs)
0: well i think that's the regret we all have once we knew about it back then i had the same a similar sort of story in 2013 as i am a trader that just wasn't enough volume or tools for me to actually actively work within the ecosystem otherwise i'd probably be on a yacht somewhere right now but that aside i mean one of the fantastic points that you've brought up and that it sounds like you're sort of addressing it uh sage wise is that i mean look we people in the community we, we like to say it's a trustless community it's a trustless system and and that's fantastic and yep in certain in certain ways it's used it is. However, when you bring up the ICO thing, it's a trustless society and community we're talking about. But we can't trust everybody in it, and that's where the ICOs were sort of looking um, or being. You know, there, there was phishing scams, there was all sorts of things happening. There was ICOs that were just set up to rip people off straight out blatantly. Uh, they have thinned out a bit more now, as we have seen the ICO. Uh, uh, epidemic uh, start to uh, slide a little bit. Now, I want to go into various different aspects of what you guys are doing there at SageWise within the, um, uh, how did you put it, like taking responsibility, the trusting people online like Amazon, eBay, how how did you put it? You had a word.
1: Transactional confidence and certainty. That's how I usually frame it.
0: Transactional content, yes, and certainty. My brain's not working so much right now. But I want to go into that because before we do go into that, I'd like to just ask me, we're talking a lot about the future of the space right now in in various different publications all around the world right now. A lot seems to be said about security tokens, which are basically asset-backed. Now, do you think that might be the death of the ICO moving into uh, you know, traditional business that is now moving on to the blockchain and actually has something to offer? Do you think we're going to see a big shift? And is that something that you guys at Sagewise are looking at or is it just sort of one step at a time?
1: I think, you know, we're definitely looking at it at SageWise. I think the security token industry in and of itself is going to be a big thing. And there's, you know, there's two ways that I slice and dice security tokens, right? There is um, tokenized securities, which is, you know, um, just equity or debt or traditional securities, but in token form. And then there's security tokens, which is, um, you know, I'm, I have maybe a decentralized project and I'm raising funds for it. Um, and I I'm issuing a token. It doesn't necessarily represent equity or debt or, or some, or some traditional security in the company. Right. Um, and I'm issuing a a token around it. So I think those are two different things. Now, I I think we're going to see a certain evolution in the space, right? 2017 was all about ICOs and everyone seemed to think, oh, these aren't securities. But, you know, I've said as early as like January, I was like... I know what you're going (laughs) to (laughs) say. I was like, you know, I I looked at the Dow and I was like, no, this, this sounds like a security to me, right? And so... Um, I've been telling everyone, no. Like when you're raising money for something like this and people are expecting to make money off it, no, that's that's definitely security. Now the pendulum has kind of swung the extreme opposite way, where at least in the u s, people are saying like, oh, every everything's a security. And I don't really fall into that camp either, right? Like I do think that there is this mythical unicorn thing. That is a true utility token. That is a non-security, but the way everyone's been going about um, raising capital for it so far, um, and the way it looks, it it just if ninety nine percent of the time has been a security. So I'm I'm a very moderate person. I just think it's going to take time to figure out what does a true pure utility token. A true, pure, non-security utility token look like, and and I think that's going to be very restrictive, right? It's going to have restricted trading, restricted use, um, things of that sort, and people really are going to have to use it for its actual true purpose, as opposed to like, oh, let's just you know trade these things all the time.
0: Yeah, look, I, I think you're probably right there. I mean, I, 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 it's very difficult to look at something. You can look at somebody with a project and they, they go, here's the reason it's a utility. It's like, that, I, I get your point of view, Mr. I'm raising for an ICO. I get it. I understand why you are saying it's a utility. Fully understand. Yep. And I can see how the lawyers have probably ticked that off and said, yep, we've dotted our I's and we've crossed our T's. But then you look at who are your investors because they're the ones that will make the final judgment, really. I mean, if they're buying it because they want to, you know, they just, they just want to support you. They think your project's great and they just want to support you. Fine. If they don't have any financial gain to get from this, then it's fine. You know, yes, it's a utility. They're just there. It's a gateway to help, you know, save the rainforest, for example. That sort of feel-good thing. Most of the time, people are investing going, hey, look, I'd love to save the rainforest too, but the rainforest, while we save it, let's make money at the same time. Now, that takes away from, um, you know, utility and goes into that gray area. I think that's why regulations are required and a bit more clarity around that. I think it's being stepped out quite nicely at the moment. So coming back to your core at Sagewise, I want to sort of know a bit more detail about what the blockchain can do. In the legal and law profession, like what are you seeing as some of the key areas that Sagewise can really help to develop? Um, the, not just the space, but because uh, we're not just looking at blockchain, because the blockchain is an item that everything else can be built upon uh, if we can find a the link there. So, so what is it that you think we can really you can do to help progress uh, the law profession in this space?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, there is there's uh, a ton both that blockchain can do to help the legal industry and vice versa right like um, so what I will say is you know we're kind of building bridges between uh, the uh, what I call the the real world or or the legal world and um, blockchain technology because there's a lot of missing infrastructure a lot a lot of gaps right and so one thing that we actually just released is, um a product that we call BlockUSign. It's blockchain-powered e-signatures, right? And it's it's it seems like a very obvious thing, a very easy thing, but at the end of the day, you know, um there's there's just a lot that hasn't been built yet that um I think people, you know, need to need to look at. So the reason why we just locked launched a BlockUSign is because we uh, you know, we primarily work in smart contract space, but, you know, we had someone come up to us that was like, Hey, how do I know if I've signed a smart contract? Like, how do I know if my company has signed a smart contract? And we sat there and we were like, well, one does not really sign a smart contract, but, you know, we sat and thought about that for a while. And we were like, Hey, you, you, you actually do need to, to legitimately know if, um, you have even entered into one of these things, right? Especially if you're a business, you, you, you absolutely need that. And so we, we saw that there was a a gap, a void in how businesses were perceiving this versus how blockchain technology is perceiving this. And so we thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to demonstrate that a, you can use blockchain without ever knowing that you use it, right? And so um blocky science application is like it looks just like a, a regular e-signature platform, except everything is recorded to the blockchain. There's a hash and you can y- use that to authenticate um that you signed a document later on. But secondly you know, there's this whole legal void about like, well, can blockchain even be used to authenticate documents? And and actually countries and states are passing laws around that Right now, you know, Vermont has something. China has something. Um, so, so we're starting to see that infrastructure gap get filled. Um, another thing that I have seen, or a couple other things that I've seen over the course of my career as an attorney, that I think we can use this whole blockchain phenomenon to address is, you know, um, if you look at cross border transactions today, I think upwards of thirty percent of cross border transactions remain in as as unresolved disputes right and there's two reasons one is because of lack of efficiency in being able to resolve those disputes. You know, it, if it's a, I don't know, a, a $1,000 transaction, maybe it's like just not worth trying to resolve. And the second thing is enforcement, because even though we have these legal instruments that in theory everyone has signed on to and allows you to have enforcement in any country, the truth is not all countries have rule of law. And by the time you get around to pursuing it, maybe that, you know, factoring China has you know, wrapped up and moved across the street and you're never going to be able to find them again. Right. And so blockchain actually, I think represents a great platform possibly for actually enforcement of these, these very global, uh, transactions. Um, and, and then the last thing is, you know, uh, often as an attorney, I've had to sit there and for my clients, they'll enter into a contract where they've availed themselves to law in like Australia or China or New York, or and they don't know what that law is. And I don't have the time to sit there and figure out, okay, how's this transaction going to be affected by Chinese law, right? And so you, you sign the document and you just, you move on with life, but that's actually incredibly expensive. It's a very expensive way to do business. Just think about all these ICOs, right? To do a, a an STO, I guess, properly, you have to go and hire counsel in like every country in which you want to offer that token. That is an incredible amount of money and time and resources. And I just, I think it's crazy. And so, you know, I think there's a, a beautiful opportunity here where we can kind of like shift the legal paradigm. Um, part of what, one part of what we're trying to do at Sagewise is create this private digital jurisdiction where if you opt into it, then everyone follows a common set of contract law. And if everyone is on, um, or is operating by the same set of standards and and laws, then you don't have to sit there and do all this crazy legal research and avail yourself to courts and in other different countries and, and waste all this time and energy because everyone's on the same playing field. And so, um, theoretically, all your transactions can be done a lot more cheaply and efficiently
0: well, you certainly have a lot of uh, a lot of work ahead of you. There's there's no doubt at all. I mean, there's a lot to still do in this space. It's still a very new space. I mean, I guess one of the big questions I, I, I want to know. I mean, from from your point of view at Sagewise, what, what's your primary focus? What, what's your end goal? So we've all got you know businesses come on the show. We we talked we talk about we talked to different professionals. I also want to add that um, I've had two other lawyers both of which were women, Jacqueline Plunkett and Claire Wyvel-Platter. Oh, awesome. I've had three lawyers on the show, and they're all women. <laughs> so wonderful to see that the, the women are being uh, represented very well uh, in the legal space uh, in the blockchain community. So I just want to make a note of that. But, I mean, what's what's your vision? What, what is a win for you? When you have done X, What like, what is that X that you would need to achieve to feel like you've actually made an impact in this space? Like, what is the end goal for you guys at SageWise?
1: So I would say our mission is twofold. One is to basically help this ecosystem, this space, um, really be able to achieve that transactional confidence and certainty that I was talking about earlier. And to do that via um, finding new ways, different ways to do dispute resolution very, very efficiently. And then secondly, Um, basically use blockchain technology and, and the blockchain ecosystem to really shift the legal paradigm of how law is practiced today, because I do not feel that law is accessible to everyone, that it helps small businesses, for example, right? And so to the extent that we can simplify it um and and make it accessible to individuals and small businesses as opposed to just large corporations and wealthy individuals. Um, and and make you know the space a, a more transparent, fairer place to be. um then I think we will have achieved our mission.
0: Well, I'm glad that you are setting out on this quest, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Amy Wan, CEO of SageWise. Before you go, I would like you to let everybody know where they can find more information about SageWise, about yourself, and uh, plug into some of the stuff that you're doing at the moment for the space.
1: Absolutely. So, our website is sagewise.io. Um, they can also follow our progress on our Telegram page, um, and so they just have to look for Sagewise. And lastly, all a lot of our blog articles do get uh, posted on Medium, so it's just medium.com forward slash sagewise.
0: Excellent. Well, look, I mean, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. It's uh, it's another interesting take into uh, a very fast evolving space and definitely something that I mean, the the trust issues that we have seen, you you brought that up. and I I hadn't thought about it too much until the conversation with you. So I'm really glad that we've had this conversation. It's a different perspective from my point of view and definitely from the listeners as well. So I wish you all the best going forward with this because you winning means that the space is winning. We're all aligned to succeed if Sagewise succeeds as well. So thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best in the future. Guys, get across to sagewise.com. That is S-A-G-E-W-I-S-E com and uh, have a look at the great work that amy Wan is doing have a great day ladies and gentlemen and thank you once again amy for being on the show thank you so much cheers guys bye for now the trader cobb crypto podcast is hosted by craig cobb all trader Cub courses products and tools can be found at tradercob.com because experience matters